Well, Heavenly Father, you have already fulfilled your promise to raise our Lord Jesus from the dead and to exalt him to your right hand. We thank you that he has given us a promise that he would come to us in the power of his spirit, that he would be among us as one of his disciples. Lord, as we read your word and we hear your word this morning, we ask that you would stand among us as you did with those first disciples and that you would move among us by your spirit. Please enable us to meet with you through the sacred preaching of your scriptures. Please open our minds to understand your word as you open the minds of those first disciples. And Lord, may all hearts here this morning be filled with joy in the assurance of your presence. Lord, open every eye here to see the grace that you provide that we might gratefully kneel before you and bow before you in worship. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning we'll be reading through Luke chapter 24. Let us hear the word of God, starting in verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed him his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. The resurrection has happened. And we gather this morning believing as Christians that Jesus is alive. And that resurrection means something. That resurrection means something than more than an event that occurred 2,000 years ago. And this morning my, my main point, my proposition is that we can experience true and lasting assurance in Jesus Christ because the resurrection assures us that he is still with us, that he is always with us. And this passage in Luke 24 closes, it's, it's an evening event that we just read about and it closes a day that has been filled with extraordinary events. And it is, it really is the best day. Back in 2005, my son and I, who we both love college basketball, at least he used to love college basketball. Um, 
he's a traitor now. Um, and he loves golf. It was Monday, the first Monday in April. I had, I had practice round tickets to the Masters Golf Tournament, which is one of the finest golf courses in the world. We drove from Charlotte to, to Augusta, Georgia, about three hours. Beautiful day, just like today. Walked around Augusta, took pictures, just saw the tournament. It was just a glorious time there for us. Drove back on the way home, stopped at our favorite place to get subs, our be- the best subs ever. Got home. It was just in time to watch the national championship basketball game where North Carolina beat Illinois in the national championship. What a perfect guy day there has ever been. <laughs> Golf, subs, basketball, North Carolina wins. It was a perfect day. Now, up until now in this experience of the disciples in in Luke, prior to Luke 24, nothing has been perfect. Nothing has been perfect. But early in the morning of this first day of the week, the event of all events has taken place, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is Easter Sunday. It is the day Christ has risen. Now, the script is more different than they could have possibly imagined. Early in the morning, in beginning of Luke 24, the women who were disciples of Jesus go to the tomb to prepare him with spices, and they get there, and Jesus is gone. And they encounter these dazzling angels who proclaim to them that Jesus has risen from the dead. Then, so they run back to the disciples. They tell the disciples, and Peter and John go running to the tomb. They look inside, and Jesus is gone gone. And so Luke tells us that Peter walked away marveling. A little later, two disciples are walking on the road to Emmaus, about a seven-mile journey from Jerusalem. It's that, er, that afternoon, and as they are walking to Emmaus, suddenly this man comes alongside of them. And he begins asking them, what happened today? And they begin telling him, are, are you the only one in all of Jerusalem who hasn't heard what is going on? And so they begin talking, and it's Jesus, but they don't know it. And so Jesus opens the scriptures to them, explains what what has happened. And when they get to Emmaus, they get to the house, they sit down to have dinner, Jesus breaks bread, suddenly he disappears. And these two disciples are marveling, and they're amazed, and they realize it was Jesus who we were talking to, and our hearts were burning when he was opening the scriptures, but we didn't know who he was. And immediately they get up and they run back to Jerusalem. They go the seven miles, even in the evening, on on the, the roads where it would not be safe. They go back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples what had just happened to them. And this is where we pick up our message. It's evening. The disciples are gathered in the upper room, The meal that they've been eating is almost over. The doors are locked because they are fearful of the Jewish leaders. The conversation must be lively because there are eyewitness testimonies swirling around. Mary Magdalene has seen Jesus. Peter in in Luke 24, 34, Luke writes... The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. So, so Simon Peter has seen Jesus. The two from Emmaus, 
come breathlessly into the upper room and they're telling the disciples, we have just seen Jesus. And so all of this conversation is going on and yet there's still a lot of speculation and a lot of doubt. Is, is he really alive? This day could have not been any more surprising for these disciples because Jesus' suffering and his crucifixion is, has been the only thing in their minds. But it's not the last word in God's plan. The resurrection has happened as Christ promised. And we gather today, we are gathered this morning, not only because history has proven that the resurrection is true, but because we've experienced the reality of the resurrection in our own lives. It's real to us. Jesus is alive. And we gather not only this morning, but we gather in this place every week, as do many believers around the world gather each week in their home churches because they believe, as we do, that Christ has risen from the dead. And that resurrection means something to us. And this is what it means. His resurrection reassures us that what we have believed is true. That what we have believed about Christ is true. And it's proven, and let me give you three ways it's proven. It's the reassuring presence of Christ, the reassuring revelation of Christ, and the reassuring power of Christ. The first one, the reassuring presence of Christ. Now imagine the conflicting emotions these men had this Easter morning. Over the past few days, they have experienced fear. They have experienced shame. They've experienced despair. They've experienced bewilderment. And they've experienced excitement. And now, as Jesus suddenly stands among them, look at verse 37. They are, but they were startled and frightened as they saw a spirit. In verse 38, they are troubled and doubts arise in their hearts. In verse 41, they are marveling. They are disbelieving. They are, they are just not sure what is happening. Just can you imagine you're, you're in a room, you're fearful, you're worried about the Jews. They have just crucified your Savior. And they want you. And so the doors are locked and they're in this room. And suddenly Jesus is standing among them. I, I get why they'd be startled. My youngest, when she was three, maybe four, she had a habit of getting up in the middle of the night and I'd be, I'd be in bed asleep and I would feel this presence and I would wake up and her, she would nose to nose, she'd be there and she'd have her hand on my cheek. Daddy? <laughs> you, you understand if you're a parent. Children just suddenly appear. Or, or when your, your son decides that he's going to make sure your sisters are always on edge. So he hides behind their doors when they walk in their room and jumps out. And startled is not the word that you would use. And that is what is happening to these disciples. They are startled. Jesus is supposed to be dead. And yet they've heard reports Peter actually saw him. 
The two on the road to Emmaus have seen him, and yet they're frightened. And Jesus can see that they're, they're troubled in heart. And as he stands among them, he reassures them with this greeting. He says this, peace to you. Shalom to you. Shalom is much more than a greeting. It is a, it's a declaration. Here, the word peace is commuting, communicating a much greater concept than just feel good. It's communicating the, the concept of salvation. That's what, that's what Jesus is communicating here. He's not only declaring peace to them, he is declaring that he is their peace. He is shalom. Paul in Ephesians says of Jesus, he has become our peace. And that's who Jesus is. And even if everything in our lives falls into ruin, if we have Christ, if we know he is always present with us and there is, there is always his presence, that there is nothing we cannot face. In John's gospel, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, peace I leave with you, my peace, my shalom I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. And this is exactly what is happening here to the disciples. Jesus is settling their troubled hearts. His presence is settling their troubled hearts. His presence is bringing them peace. And that is what the resurrection assures us of is that Christ is alive and Christ is present, not just with these disciples, but Christ is present with us. That when we are troubled in heart, Jesus stands among us, stands next to us and says, Shalom. Shalom, my peace be with you. And as the as he is speaking, the, the light goes on for the disciples that he really has risen from the dead. Just in a little further in verse, in verse 40, and when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were disbelieving for joy, they were still marveling. They, they, were, they were wrestling. This, this really seems to be true. Jesus is alive. They know this to be true because not only do they see him, they recognize his voice. Remember in our series in John's gospel, in John 10, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice and I call them by name. Imagine in that room, Jesus is suddenly there. He speaks and the voice that they have known for the past three and a half years comes home to them. Oh yeah, we recognize that voice. And I can imagine Luke would not record every detail, as though he did record a lot of details. I would suspect that Jesus called them by name. Peter, it's me. John, it's me. Matthew, it's, it's me. And to further assuage their doubts and fears, he tells them in, in verse 39, he says, See my hands and my feet, that it, it is I myself. Touch me and see. 
For a spirit does not have flesh and bones. You see that I have. Touch me. This is who our Savior is. Like the disciples, when we are troubled, when we are not at peace, when we are frightened, when we're struggling with doubt and unbelief, He, he comes to us. This is, this is Jesus' history. It's the way it's always been with, with Him. He came to seek and save the lost. He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He came because his father so loved the world that he gave his only son to reconcile sinful humanity to himself. And today, he comes. He stands among us to comfort us in our grief, to give us peace when we are troubled, to strengthen us when we are weak, to encourage us even in our moments of greatest doubt. He has come and he stands among us. He reassures us with his presence. That's what the resurrection means. And as it, <laughs> as it was for us, and for them as well for us, there are times we doubt Verse 41 to 43, it it is amazing to me. And when he had said this and showed him his hands and his feet, and while they still disbelieved for joy, disbelieved for joy. Is Luke confused? No, this is Luke's way of saying, the disciples think this is too good to be true. That's what this is. This is too good to be true. We saw him die. We saw him buried. We saw the stone put in front of the tomb. We saw soldiers, Roman soldiers, stand guard before the tomb. And yet here he stands. This is too good to be true. And they simply marvel. They've touched him. They've heard him. They've seen him. They've watched him eat. Ghosts don't eat. So they've come to the conclusion, yeah, he is alive. And as it was 2,000 years ago, so it is today, my friends. The resurrected Christ still is present among his people. He's present among his church and he's reassuring us. And as he says, he said in Hebrews 13, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said in Matthew 28, Lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. The resurrection, the resurrection is the reassurance that Christ is present with us. Secondly, the resurrection is proven by the reassuring revelation of Christ. The disciples have yet to fully grasp what is going on. When Jesus stood among them in verse 37, they were startled and frightened and they they thought they saw a spirit. And so they're, they're troubled about this. And in verse 44, then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And here's the, here's the key. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, 
Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. They're overwhelmed and they're overjoyed that their friend and their Lord is still alive. But it's still not clear to them well, what does all of this mean? And so Jesus addresses the problem. There's a, there's a theme that runs through Luke 24. When the, when the women run to the tomb and they encounter the angels and they see the tomb is empty, the, in verse 26 of, of, 20, of, verse 6 of 24, the angels say, He is not here but is risen. Remember how he told you he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day. And they remembered his words. The, the angels opened the scriptures to them. And then on the road to Emmaus in, in verse 27 of chapter 24, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them all the scriptures concerning himself. And again in verse 32, they said to each other, did, our, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And now here in verse 44 through 48, he does it again. He opens the scriptures to them. He opens the scriptures that the disciples might understand that all that they've seen and all that they've experienced, and in, they, under, they know it. In many respects, he brings understanding of their salvation to them. He brings it to completion. How, how often have we read the Bible and sometimes we just don't really understand? Peter said of Paul, he said, sometimes Paul's writings are hard to understand. And sometimes reading the Bible is just, it can be a little challenging. But God brings revelation. God reveals himself as he did to the women, as he did to the two on the road to Emmaus, as he does to the disciples. He brings revelation. It's why he came. It's, he says, this is, this is why I came. This is why I lived the way I did. This is why I suffered on the cross. This is why I rose from the dead. This is why I'll ascend to heaven and this is why I'll return. Let me explain it all to you. Let me explain it all to you so you understand what this all means. Let me explain it all to you so you understand what salvation means. Let me explain it all to you so that your life will never be the same. And this, in verse there's 48, he goes on to say, you are witnesses of these things. He wasn't, he wasn't just saying resurrection is just to give you a joyful moment, but it is also to give you a purpose and a plan. That is, for those of us who do believe in Christ, that we have a purpose and a plan. He has a plan for all of his disciples that we would share this marvelous truth, that we would share this resurrection. This resurrection is not just for us. It's for others as well, that we would tell others as well that they can be forgiven of their sins, sins that we cannot cleanse ourselves from, sins that we cannot overcome guilt. We cannot rid ourselves from enslaving habits. 
life that is troubled and without peace because of sin. And those who have been forgiven, those are the ones who know His voice. And that is the promise. Oh, the revelation that these men are given, that Jesus shows them, this is who I am. This is what I've done. And this is what I've called you to. I have a plan and a purpose for your life. Listen, Jesus offers forgiveness and he offers hope if you will trust in him. If you don't believe in Christ, then you really do not have hope. But if you do believe in Christ, he'll reassure you. He'll reassure you by his presence. He'll reassure you by his revelation, by revealing himself to you. Helping you understand all that He has done for you and who He is. And He will lead you and He will help you and He will give you strength and He will comfort you and He will encourage you. But if you are full of doubt, if you do not believe and you still live under the weight of guilt and fear and trouble and your souls are troubled and you are fearful about the future to come, well, there's an answer to it. It's Christ. And he's risen from the dead to reassure you that it's true. The resurrection reassures us because of his presence, because of his revelation, and finally, because the reassuring power of Christ, that he gives us his power. Listen, we are... We are not capable of believing and following and loving Jesus Christ apart from his power working in us, his strength working in us. It's not, it's not just he, he does something to us and then leaves us on our own. No, he's present with us in the person of God, the Holy Spirit. He sends his spirit to live and dwell in and among us. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesian church, describes what this is. In chapter 1, he says, In Him, in Christ, you also, those of you who have believed, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of that inheritance, until we die. And when we die, which is a also a guarantee of everybody in this room, and you will, go find the fountain of youth, and when you do, let me know about it. Does that include more hair? Does it just a longer life? I don't know. But I want the fountain of youth. But there is no fountain of youth. And so when we die, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we have this promise, this inheritance that we are Christ's. 
And we will, on that day, worship and praise Him. Listen, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Not sin, not suffering, not weakness, not doubt, not even death. And the disciples were not left alone and neither are we. We have the reassuring presence of Christ because of the resurrection. We have the reassuring revelation of Christ that he will show himself to us. We have the reassuring power of Christ. His spirit lives with us. Brothers and sisters, my friends, that is the reassuring truth and reality of the resurrection. The Easter that we celebrate today. The reality of the resurrection is that we are privileged to experience Easter not just this morning, but every day. Easter is an everyday reality. It's an everyday experience. could be chocolate eggs every day, which would not be such a bad idea. It is, it is a privilege to be able to worship Christ, to be able to experience Easter every day of the year, because he assures us that we can. He's come. He's lived a perfect, sinless life. He suffered, was crucified, and died on the cross And he rose again. He ascended into heaven. And there's this promise that still awaits. He will return. And until then, we celebrate Easter every day because he has risen indeed. Father, thank you for sending Christ. Thank you for all that he accomplished for us on the cross. And Lord, help us, enable us to celebrate this glorious day every day that we might always draw near to your Son. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.